He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. We thank God for his faithfulness and his mercy and for bringing us this far in our Daughter You Can Make It convention. Hallelujah. And uh, this convention is called Daughter You Can Make It because a daughter has many obstacles to overcome. And sometimes when a daughter of God, a child of God, a lady looks at herself, she looks at all the obstacles because, you know, Eve was the one who ate the apple. And then she gave Adam. And he also ate without asking questions. And when she did that, distraction, betrayal, disease, problems, incurable diseases, divorce, all the negative things you can think of came into the world. And the Lord sentenced the woman or declared judgment and said that in sorrow you shall give birth. And your desire shall be unto your husband, and he will rule over you. These are things that, you know, and, but it wasn't all negative. God said also to the woman that your seed will bruise the head of a serpent, and the serpent will bruise the heel of your seed and yourself. But thank God that in the midst of all that, God said the woman would triumph. I thought that the head of Satan would be bruised by a man. But the Bible says the head of Satan will be bruised by a woman. Amen. And I thank God that even though sin came into the world through the deception of Eve, the Bible doesn't say sin came through woman. It says sin came through a man yeah. called Adam. Yeah. So Eve was a conduit pipe, but the real guilt lay at Adam's feet yeah. for allowing himself to be deceived by Eve. But the second Adam also was ushered in by the woman. It was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who brought the second Adam, who came to redeem us. And so in the midst of all these things, you know, your husband will rule over you. Your desire will be unto your husband. A woman can accomplish so much, but most of the time, she wants to marry. Most of the time. No, sometimes she's even smarter than the man, but she still wants to marry. You know, and sometimes... Even the relationships are not so good, but she still wants to marry. Because of that word, your desire shall be unto your husband and he will rule over you. And I think one other thing is that your desire is like your desire. When you get into marriage, you give your desire to your husband. And then he looks at the desire and he rules over you. You know, sometimes your desire is, oh, I want to reach PhD in this. Before you know, in two months, you are pregnant, you are vomited. Please defer the course. Your desire shall be unto your husband. 
and he will rule over you. But we are saying that in all these things, we can still fulfill God's call on our lives. Because God used mothers, God used wives, God used sometimes women who didn't have an army, but they just had hot milk like jail. And they were able to bring armies down. She, he used people like Delilah. Even if it's in the negative sense, they just had a pair of laps, but that was enough. Samson was carrying gates of Gaza and doing all sorts of macho things. But Delilah just needed a pair of laps and some false tears. And it brought the whole nation of Israel to the feet of the Philistines. And so a woman has something called influence. And it can be used for good or for bad. But we are saying that in the name of Jesus, we can make it and we can become all the things that God wants us to become. Hallelujah. So I want to thank all those who have made this convention possible. Behind the scenes and before the scenes. Amen. Those who are visible and those who have been invisible. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Thank you for opening your arms to us. We felt at home and we've been blessed. And what a privilege it has been to be amongst you. So God bless you all and reward you. God bless you for your faithfulness and your loyalty. All the pastors and the lady pastors, those who traveled from far and near, thank you. You see, we travel for um, professional conventions. And we travel to deliver papers that will not bring life. But when we travel for the gospel, it is good that we carry the eternal word that is able to change lives forever and for eternity. Amen. Amen. This morning, I hope to be brief. And I want to speak to you about faith for difficult times. Faith for difficult times. Hallelujah. You know, most of the time, when we talk about faith, we feel that it's something very strenuous, something that we have to use a lot of energy for, something that we have to fight to see happen, something that depends so much on us, more than it depends on God. Faith becomes sometimes like being in the gym. You use so much human effort and human energy, and you say, I believe. But this morning, I want to talk about a certain quiet trust and a certain quiet belief system that may not even shout, but influences our actions so much. I want to say that, you know, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that he who comes to God must, one, first of all, believe that he is. Number two, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our work with God is built on faith. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we don't literally see him in a pair of blue shoes stepping into our hearts. But it is a thing of belief. It is something that sees beyond the natural. It is something that you do in the realm of the spirit because faith is a spiritual thing. It is not a physical thing. And then after we have given our lives to Christ, we see the power of God come into our lives because the Bible says that he even gives you power to become a child of God because you can't become a child of God on your own. You need a certain power to become that child that God wants you to be. And when we become that child of God, then we see that, yes, it's true. There's a certain power 
There's a certain grace. There's a certain ability. That's not from me. I can testify that it's not from me. And there's a certain change of even desires. That does not come from me. It comes from a spiritual experience. But first of all, it started by you believing. That Christ can come into your life and make a difference. But as we walk on in faith, many times we feel that faith is just one big leap. After all, they say the leap of faith. So you stand here and then you leap over and then you are just there. But this morning I came to tell you that faith is a journey. And many times we abandon our faith not seeing that the journey that we are on, all the different stages that we come to are just rest stops. But still our journey is progressing in the things of God. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you about faith for the difficult times that we live in. Amen. Amen. Now come with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 40. Hallelujah. Faith for difficult times. There are different levels of faith. And we have to recognize that. And whatever level you are on, God is able to nurture you and bring you to the next stage. Mark chapter 4, verse 40. It's talking about Jesus going on the sea with his disciples in a boat. And then a storm coming. And the disciples becoming very frantic and getting worried. And saying that, look... Don't you care that we perish? And then they will wake Jesus up. He's asleep in the stern of the boat, under, on a pillow, Mark says. And then when they wake him up, he stands up and he rebukes the sea. And he rebukes the wind. And the people say, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. And then Jesus has a rebuke for his disciples. He says to them, why are you so timid? Or why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? I came to tell you this morning that in your walk with God, there may be times when you don't have any faith, but it doesn't render God non-operational in your life. Hallelujah. Because these are disciples. These are 12 hand-picked and chosen men by God. But when it got somewhere and they were in a storm, they didn't know a certain aspect of God. And they they panicked, you know. And they even somehow accused God that, look, when we are going through all these things, don't you care? And Jesus did not, when he woke up, begin to rebuke them. He rather rebuked the storm. He took care of the problem before he took care of their work of faith. And that is how God still works with us. It does not depend only on us. It depends mostly on God. So even when you have no faith, the goodness of God leaps over your no faith situation and brings you into the place that God wants you to be. But let me ask you, if you have not been with the Lord in a storm, if you have not been with the Lord when the waves are raging, how would you know that even the wind and the sea obey him? And we always are looking for a smooth journey in this life. I came to announce to you that it does not exist. Hallelujah. That trouble-free life ensured, you know, they say that we will, re- we will put you back in the state you were in before you suffered the loss. 
God can do that. But God does not guarantee that you will be trouble free. Even the insurance companies cannot guarantee that you'll be. They say that after you have suffered the loss, we will come and then put you in the state that you were in before you suffered the loss. So even when you have no faith, you don't have to give up as a Christian. When you have no faith, you don't have to throw in the towel. You may have had faith to be born again and to be saved. But in a difficult situation, you may find that your faith level is not rising. Or your faith level is not where it should be. In that instance, it's just the goodness of God and his mercy that steps in on your behalf. So we have the first level of no faith. And then we have weak faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 19. We have weak faith. Romans chapter 4. Verse 19. Are we there? This is my version now. Sometimes it's too modern. I, I, I can't recognize the verse. <laughs> and being not weak in faith, he considered yet not his own body. Isn't that what King James says? Well, my new version says something very modern. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. He did not grow weak in faith, Considering the deadness of Sarah's body. Hallelujah. So another stage of faith is weak faith. Weak faith. And weak faith considers a lot of physical things. And the Bible is saying that, And being not weak in faith about Abraham, he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. It wasn't that Sarah's womb was okay, but they couldn't find the cause. It wasn't that Sarah's womb was okay, but they didn't know why she was having a baby. It was that Sarah's womb was dead. Amen. And the Bible is saying that being not weak, he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. It means that when you are weak, you consider impossible situations. When you have weak faith, you look at difficulties and impossibilities and you assess how things are going to turn out with that frame of mind. And so it's, it's, it's sort of differentiating between weak faith and strong faith. And it's saying about Abraham, being not weak in faith, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief and did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, when I read about Abraham in the Old Testament, I see that he made mistakes. For instance, when God told him, Abraham, I'm going to give you a child. The Bible says Abraham laughed. It's not only Sarah who laughed. Abraham laughed and said, shall a man this age give birth? And when the angels visited Sarah, to Sarah also laughed. 
And Sarah said, Abraham said, Shall Sarah, being this old, also give birth? And Abraham asked God at a point, Who is going to be my descendant? Because all that I can see around me is this Eliezer, the, the, uh, the person from Damascus. And I need somebody. So what will you do for me? It, it went so bad that he even sought an heir through an affair with Hagar. But in all these things, the Bible refers to him as a father of faith. And so I have learned from that, that the fact that you have strong faith does not mean that you will not have hiccups on the way. The fact that you have strong faith does not mean that you will not falter or be human sometimes. But the most important thing in our journey of faith is that like a toddler, when you toddle and you fall, you have to stand up and continue walking. Hallelujah. When a toddler falls, when he's walking, we don't rebuke him. When a toddler falls, we don't say, go to your room, time out. Why? Because we know that it's part of the development process. And so it is with God. That when you are walking on your walk with faith like Abraham, and you have a few hiccups, that God does not even describe it that way. He rather says about you that you staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but that you were strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I see that Satan discourages us and accuses us a lot. And says, are you a woman of faith? How come you are wondering if it will happen? Are you a woman of faith? How come you are laughing at the promises of God? Are you a woman of faith? How come you are looking at the obstacles? But I may look at the obstacles, but it's just temporary. I'm not going to stay there. My mind is going to be renewed. And like the toddler, I may have fallen a bit, but I'm going to rise up and continue walking in the things that God has promised. Weak faith. Hallelujah. Now, it says about Abraham that he was strong in faith. How do you get to that place of strong faith? How do you walk with strong faith? The Bible says, he staggered not at the promises of God. That's the first stage. We don't have to stagger at the promise of God. What he has said, he's able to perform. I love the Bible because it doesn't hide human weakness. I love the Bible because it doesn't hide human frailties. I love the Bible because it doesn't just give us a perfect picture. Oh, Abraham was so perfect. No, it's the ability to repent and to change when God tells you and to continue walking with him. So the first step to strong faith is not to stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. Our world is filled with unbelief. We are in relationships that are filled with mistrust and distrust. We get involved with people who tell us one thing and don't mean it. We get involved with people who are vague about everything they say. So our whole atmosphere is permeated by unbelief. And it's not easy to trust anybody or anything. But God Almighty, He is sinless. He has not made a mistake before. He doesn't have any bad motive concerning you. And like Abraham, you can decide not to stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. But I want to ask you, how many Christians even know God's promises before they will not stagger at it? Many of us, the Bible is God's will that he has written, but we don't know the provisions of the will. And the will has not become operational in our lives. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. How was he strong in faith? Giving glory to God. 
For your faith to be strong, you have to learn to give glory to God. Even in seemingly impossible situations. Even when you don't understand. I've been a pastor for some time. Sometimes people have brought problems. Often, I don't have solutions. I cannot even heal a mosquito, let alone a whole human being. But when I look at God's word, I know that he's faithful. I see him come through for so many people in so many different ways. There was a lady in our church who was believing God for a child for many years. And she used to tell me, Mother's Day is one of the saddest days in my life. And I used to say, why? She would say, you know, because they are saying mothers and they are bringing flowers and, and I just don't, can't take it. The last time went on, they went into a counseling session with Bishop and Bishop advised them that, look, you are doing this procedure, you are doing this in vitro, whatever, you are paying, this is about the fourth time, the surgery is so expensive, and I think that you yourself are so tense, so you should give yourself a break. So why don't you adopt a child and just move on with your life? Well, by the grace of God, they decided to do that and just move on with their lives. So they were married for some time. Five years came to pass. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten came to pass. Eleven, twelve came to pass. Thirteen. And then she's in my ministry also in Accra. So one day we went for an outreach. And then during the praise and worship, she came to me and said, I've been calling you, but you never take your phone. I said, really, but now we are in praise and worship. So how you are coming to ask me this at this time? I don't know. She said, oh, I just wanted you to know that after 13 years, I'm pregnant. I forgot about my praise and worship. I started to shout. Hey, hey, what are you saying? Say, I knew that you would do this, you know, and then people would be distracted. So I had to become cool. So after the meeting, she came to me and she said, look, Anytime I've gone for a procedure, they say, don't move. They keep me in intensive care. They say, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And every time, it didn't work eventually. But this one, I didn't even know I was pregnant. I've rather gone to the gym. I've been doing a lot of things to lose weight. And I was wondering why I was still putting on a little weight. She said, I've been up the mountains, up and down, on, on, uh, uh, on duty, on trek, going here, going there. And then at a point, I decided that I'll add skipping to what I'm doing. So I began to skip. And at the point, I had a backache. So she told her little daughter, who was then three, that, come and walk on my back. Oh, with this pregnancy. But she didn't know. And then she kept saying, I'm not feeling well. Then she came for a service, a prophetic service. And Pastor Silas was saying that, if you're not feeling well, you want the Lord to take away the disease, just bring some water. We'll believe God and pray over it. And then the disease. So she brought the water. And then they prayed. And she lifted it and said, Lord, this is an easy feeling. Whatever it takes, take it away from me. But she didn't know. And so later she went to the doctor. The doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. But before she went, I said, come, I want to do a pregnancy. Said, me, oh, doctor. Pregnancy test. I've moved on. And even the month before she was telling me, now I don't think about procedure. I don't think about this in vitro thing. God has really healed my mind. I'm very happy with my child. And I'm just moving on in my life. And when the doctor went to do it, the doctor said, this one is not positive, it's strongly positive. You are pregnant. Yeah. Hallelujah. I tell you, when it was her outdooring, it was like a prison where she wasn't like an outdooring for 13 years. And she told me that even strangers were now calling her to say that your life gives us hope. People who are not in our church, 
And so she was telling me, hey, is that how people think about you and your problems and you don't even know? But that is God's faithfulness. But when man is doing procedure, he says that bed rest, don't move, don't go here. This can happen. But when you don't know, you skip, you jump, you do gym. But when God has said that he will bless, he will bless. Hallelujah. But it took 13 years. A time of waiting. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. How do you become strong in faith? You give glory to God. You give glory to God when you can't see. You give glory to God even when you don't have. Not that you are giving glory so that he will give you, but you are giving glory that you know that he's in charge and you know that he's in control and you know that whatever he wants to do, he's able to do. Strong faith. May the Lord bring you to the place of strong faith. Another juncture you come to your walk of faith is dead faith. James chapter 2. And those of you who don't like turning to the Bible, I have no apologies because the Bible is the word of God. James chapter 2. Amen. James chapter 2. Are we there? James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? Hallelujah. The Bible is saying that faith without works is dead faith. So we have little faith. No faith. Have we done little faith? We have no faith. Weak faith. Strong faith and dead faith. So then faith without works is dead. And some of us say, oh, but we believe. And the book of James is saying that even demons believe. And even theirs is better because they tremble. But you, you believe and you don't change. You believe and God cannot get you to move on in your walk with him. But demons, they believe and they shudder. So believing is not enough. But acting on what you believe. You say you have had an encounter with Jesus. You say Jesus is Lord. How come your emotions lead you? How come your wisdom, earthly wisdom leads you? How come the standards of the world lead you? Show me your faith by your works. For faith without works is dead. He said, didn't Abraham show us his faith by offering up Isaac? You will always be called upon to back your faith with actions. The story is told of a man who was emaciated, weak, he was dying. And they called all the catering companies in Canada to give him food. And when the food came, they asked the man, do you believe that when you eat this food, you will be well? He said, I believe. Oh, I believe that I'll be well. He kept saying, I believe, I believe, and he died. Tell me, why did he die? Because he didn't act on what he believed. Provision had been made, food was there, but believing is not enough. Faith without works 
is dead. If we say we are Christians, the Lord want to be, wants to be Lord of our lives. Hallelujah. A Christian is not his own. The Bible says we are slaves and bondmen unto Christ. You may not like the word slavery, but in the world you were a slave to drink and it was okay. You were a slave to womanizing and it was okay. You were a slave to fraud and theft, but it was okay. But when you come to Christ, you are a slave to Christ. I don't believe in slavery. Get a life. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So then faith without works is dead. May you be delivered from dead faith. May you stand up for what you believe. May your light shine because you say that you know God. Hallelujah. Now I want to look at little faith. Matthew chapter 6 verse 30. I'm running through because it's a Sunday service. It's not a long teaching. Matthew chapter 6. Some of us don't know the books of the Bible. But we know everything else that's happening in the secular world. May the Lord deliver you because when Satan comes knocking on your door, it's not the news that you listen to on CNN. It's not the BBC news, but it's the word of God which is a sword of a spirit. That's what will get you over. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 30. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Hallelujah. Now, Paul is talking about the fact that we should not take any thought for our life. What we will eat, or what we will drink, or what we shall put on. Okay, let's read, from, let's read verse 31. Where did we get to? 29? 30. Okay, let's read 31. Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. He says, if God so close the grass that is here today and is not there tomorrow. If God looks after the sparrows that fly, one of them does not even fall to the ground. How much more will God not take care of you or you of little faith? Now, in the church world, a lot of believers are of little faith. Because the things that we look for, clothing, what to eat, what to wear, and all those things are little faith objects. Hallelujah. That is not strong faith. That is not great faith. That is little faith. The daily living, how you will prosper, how you will be, is little faith. And it says, after these things, the Gentiles, those who don't know God, eagerly, all their energies, their zeal, their investment is geared towards those things. But as for you, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness. And then the other things, they are not even worth seeking. And Jesus says, how can you behave like this, oh, ye of little faith? So little faith makes all your prayer topics about dresses. Little faith makes all your prayer topics about bank accounts. Little faith makes all your prayer topics about cars and houses. Things that everyday living. That's little faith. But great faith, that's something else. The last one we'll see is great faith. Hallelujah. 
And many children of God are wallowing at the stage of little faith. And we never move on from there. So we have gone through no faith. Little faith. Dead faith. Weak faith. And strong faith. I want to ask you this morning. What level are you on? If you are anxious about things of this world all the time. You don't have any spiritual prayer topic. Every day. Bless me, 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 me. My name is Jimmy. Amen. Amen. Bless me, myself, and I. Your world is not kingdom-minded, like I was saying about Esther. You think that it's just about you, your home, your marriage. That's a blessing. But a kingdom person looks beyond that. Little faith looks for perishable things. But strong and great faith looks for eternal things. Kingdoms not built by the hands of man. And which have foundations. Hallelujah. Now come to me with the last one. Great faith. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Hallelujah. This is great faith. Now the Bible says that the woman came out of the district of Tyre and Sidon. These were completely unbeliever nations. Is it not surprising that sometimes those who are far believe more than those who are near? Because the spirit of familiarity sometimes can overtake you. The spirit of I know it all, I've seen it before. I know all the conclusions, it kills your walk of faith. But this woman came out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon just to meet Jesus. And you too must come out of where you are and your background and whatever influences you so that you can move towards great faith and become what God wants you to be. Now this Canaanite woman came out and then she began to cry saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. She didn't say, give me my rights. I name it, I claim it, and I take it. She said, have mercy on me. There are things the mercy of God does in your walk with faith that sometimes and often does not depend on you. She said, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The Bible says about Elizabeth, when she gave birth, the Bible says, when her neighbors and her friends saw what great mercy the Lord had shown her, they came and rejoiced with her. So her being pregnant in old age was just the mercy of God. And this woman recognized it. So she came through the door of mercy. Mercy is faith, grace is when you don't deserve it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Do you understand? You have been sentenced. 
the judgment has been given. You should be paid this. You should pay in five years in jail with hard labor. And the mercy says, no, it's okay. I just, I just overlook it so that she can go on. Have mercy on me. And then she said, my daughter is cruelly vexed with a demon. She didn't say my daughter has a problem. My daughter has a hard situation I can't quite diagnose. There's something wrong with my daughter. She called a spade a spade. And many of us, God cannot reach our problems because we don't call it what it is. You are backsliding. Say I'm backsliding. You are becoming worldly. Say you are becoming worldly. You are becoming critical in some way. Say you are becoming critical in some way. But don't say, oh, it's the church and the people. You are going around it. Whether it's your daughter, whether it's something closely related to you, for God to really be able to solve it, you need to come clean and clear. Hallelujah. My daughter is cruelly vexed with a demon. Or is demon possessed? It doesn't matter that the person is your daughter. You may love her, but it's an ugly situation. And you have to call it that. That she's cruelly vexed with a demon. But many of us, we don't want to call it that. These days in the church, we don't say sin. We say mistakes. So when you make a mistake, when you sin. And that, you know, it, 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 even, it even brings a darling effect of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because we have found another name for it. And when the Bible says that when, G, when she said that, Jesus did not answer her a word. This is the woman with great faith. As you walk on your journey, you will come to the place where you will seem not to hear the master's voice. You will be calling out to him and he will behave as if he's not the one you are talking to. That's the kind of God we serve. Not because he's wicked, but because he's not overwhelmed by the situation like you are. Hallelujah. The Bible says categorically, he answered her not a word. And then the disciples came and said, send her away. For she crieth after us. She's embarrassing. Great faith overcomes embarrassment. Hallelujah. Great faith forgets about human opinions. Great faith forgets about what people think and what they will say. Hey, desperate people do desperate things. And when you are desperate for God, it's not at that time to think, is my makeup smudged? Are my eyebrows well twist? Have I done proper waxing? You don't, have, you don't know. You are, not, you are not after great faith. That's why you can look for some things. Great faith, when it comes to a time when it needs God, it falls on its knees. Whether it means rolling in its bedroom. Whether it means hollering and crying before God. It's not, you see, great faith is not about uh, cute fingers, tips and lips at all. It has nothing to do with that. And this woman was able to overcome embarrassment. Are you able to overcome embarrassment to pursue that great faith that Jesus can commend? We are so, we are so, we are stickless for what pleases people, what looks nice, what looks acceptable. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. You can't think the way the world thinks and still walk with God. You can't be concerned about the th- overly concerned about the things that the world is concerned about and still walk with God. Send her away, for she crieth after us. And many of us at that juncture, we would have forgotten what we came to look for. And we would have started to face the disciple. Eh, you are advising him to send me away, aren't you? Yeah, and that's how Satan distracts us from our course and from our work. And we don't even recognize it. He uses offense, things that are around that don't really matter. And they affect our work with the Lord. And they affect our walk of faith. 
Hallelujah. Satan will always divert your attention to something else. Meanwhile, that's not why you came out of the coast of Tyre and Sidon. You came to look for healing and deliverance for your daughter. But suddenly, your focus has changed and you are chasing other things. You came to Christ because you loved him and you wanted him to make meaning out of your life. Now you have forgotten about Christ. You are fighting with church members, pastors, and this person said this and I don't like this. But hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. The distractions will come, offense will come, different things will come, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author. But we look unto other things. What do they think? How do they treat me? How do they regard me? Why do they uh, reject me when I walk in? Since when do they become the marking scheme for you to become what God wants you to become? Send her away, for she troubleth us. And the Bible says the woman fell and began to worship. She began to worship. And Jesus said, hey, I'm not called to you. I'm called to the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't even directly address her. It's like a statement he threw into the air. And then later he says that, well, I can't give the children's bread to dogs. Immediately you will take issue. Am I a dog? You are now calling me a dog, eh? You, these type of preachers that have come, you don't have any decorum when you are speaking, eh? You don't. And your cruelly vexed daughter is still lying in her state. Many times in ministry, I've seen that the devil tries to veer us off our course. You easily begin to deal with other issues. Why did she give me that look? Why didn't she greet me when I came? Why? Hey, you have a lot of time. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And if you are always going to nurse your heads and your offenses, and you will never become what God wants you to become. You will never overcome certain things. So look, let's stop scratching with the chickens and saw with the eagles. Because that's where God is. Hallelujah. These things are ruining our churches. Because we are so close. They called me. They didn't call me to sing lead. But they called this person. They didn't. Hey. It's not good to take the bread for the children and give it to dogs. Look, I can't pretend to you if I were the one and Jesus had said dogs. I don't have the natural demeanor to face the person. But I would rather be thinking about this. Why did he use dog? It's very painful. You know what he did? I mean, he could have used it, but why dog? You know, it's very disrespectful. You know, it's, it's broken protocol. How could you? And then your daughter is still lying in that state. Some of us is self-pity that will not let us move to be what God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Send her away for she troubleth us. We will make a a tabernacle and a tent there. And our Christianity will end at that stage. If you want to walk with God and you don't want to be offended, then please resign now. If you want to be in the kingdom of God and you don't want to be offended, please, because Jesus' disciples, they did so many things. He's going, they said, let's send fire to consume this. Um, Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you are of. You know, a woman comes to put an alabaster, break an alabaster box and anoint his feet. Uh, Judas is angry. It should have been shared with whatever. Then Peter, I mean, Jesus is with you. Then he comes back to say, I go out fishing. You have all sorts of misbehavior. If these 12 people were to give us their resume, we'll never choose them to walk with us or to work with us. We say, you see, Simon Peter, he has a tendency of not being stable. He seems to always waver in whatever decision he takes. I don't think that such a person will be a good management, but Jesus said upon this rock, 
will I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against and the woman when she was told that she's a dog if you like she was compared to a dog she said but even the dogs they eat from the crumbs that fall from the children's table that's great faith great faith is using what God has told you to get what he said he would give you hallelujah she didn't say, ah, uh, so now you want to give me crumbs, eh? Which really means you're not prepared to heal my child, isn't it? So you came only for Israel, isn't it? So I am from Tyre and Sidon, isn't it? And so you have a problem. In fact, Jesus, you really have a chip on your shoulder. And you... Great faith keeps his eyes on what the price is. Great faith keeps his eyes on the master. Great faith is not easily distracted or wavering. Great faith keeps following on even when it doesn't look like you will get the miracle because when they say bread from this thing the one thing that i'm going for you won't answer me then after that when you start to speak to you don't say encouraging things some of us are too easily offended god is not yet ready to use you because you are so offended easily love is not easily provoked by you you are easily provoked anything you are hurt anything you are angry anything you are hey we can't put you in charge of anything. Because as for human beings, they will rub you the wrong way. And by the way, there's no perfect church, especially since you, you joined. Amen. We used to be perfect before you came. But when you came, there's no perfect church. Because a church is a human institution. The difference is the presence of God with us. Hallelujah. Great faith. And when the woman made that argument, you know, it's like an argument he got. I mean, Jesus says, the children's bread, I can't give it to you. Then you use the Lord's words to tell him that even the children's bread, crumbs fall from it. And we can eat from the crumbs. And those crumbs can bring my healing to my daughter. The Bible says, Jesus just turned around and said, wow, I've never seen such great faith. I pray that you move beyond the stage of no faith. Little faith, weak faith, dead faith, and come to strong faith and great faith that the master himself will commend. Faith holds on even when it doesn't understand. Faith holds on when it doesn't even seem right. I tell you, I have seen the mercy of God and I've seen his faithfulness. Faith is not even that I will always get what I ask for. But faith is, he knows what's good for me. And when he withholds something for me, I come to the place like Job where I can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Great faith is not always your way. Great faith is not always, maybe you would have liked to be given the bread and not the crumbs. But he says, take the crumbs, it's enough to solve your problem. Take the crumbs, it will, it will, it will, it will deliver your child. That's great faith. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says they wandered in sheepskin. They wandered in deserts, being destitute. Hebrews chapter 11. So there are places like that in faith. Faith is trusting in God's sovereignty. That he knows best. I don't know why he called Mrs. Saki home at 42. I don't know why he would call one of the best and finest Christians I ever know. I don't have answers to all the things that sometimes I encounter. But I just know that he's God. I just know that he's God. And above all, I know that if our hope was only in this life, we were of most men most miserable. But I know that our hope is beyond this life. Oh, for he said, 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, I will come for you and take you unto my own. If when we die, nothing happens to us, then even goats and sheep are better because they can be slaughtered and eaten. Hallelujah. But thank God we have an eternal kingdom. Not made with hands. We have to have faith in God's sovereignty. We have to have faith in God's goodness. Because the disciples, when they woke him, when Jesus said, why don't you have any faith? They said that, carest not thou that we perish. And many times, the devil tells us, God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. That's why you are going through this. He has abandoned you. You are actually alone. But tell me any great person God called who has not had a struggle, who has not had a difficulty. How can you give me Isaac and in the same breath ask for it? What type of ridiculous God are you? But that's God. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 and I'm ending. Great faith. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. We are ending on that note. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 17. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. Hallelujah. The Bible is saying from verse 17 that by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Hmm. And it was he to whom it was said in Isaac your descendant shall be called. But he, was, he considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead. The Bible is saying that, look, God asked for Isaac. In asking for Isaac, it wasn't any mean, uh, any mean uh, request. Because Isaac is the only one that you gave me. He is a child of promise. And you said that through him, all the world and my descendants will be blessed. Now, as you have said this, I've had Isaac, we've had a big feast. Everybody knows I have a child. And then you call me to bring Isaac to the altar. And we always think Abraham really did well, you know, to have gained something that he really loved. But when we read on, he said he considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead. And that is what propelled his faith. The ability of God to work beyond that which is impossible. Even that which seems like it's finished. My favorite verse, one of them, I'll give you beautiful ashes. Many of us, we look at the ashes, we say, what can ashes do? Ashes, you can't build with it. It's not like even clay that you add water and mold some earthenware pot or make some pottery or... Ashes can not hold anything. And besides, why do you sit down till it becomes ashes? And they say, I'll give you beautiful ashes because he's God. Hallelujah. And so when Abraham gives up Isaac and binds him on the altar to him, even if he has to slaughter Isaac, God can resurrect Isaac. And so that thing gives him a certain strength in his work with God that we don't see. We don't know it, but that's his belief and his conviction. And truly, God raises Isaac before he can be killed and says, now I know what's in your heart. 
Now I know what. In your walk with God, he will ask you for your Isaac. I preached it in London. The, the, the beyond your dream or behold your dream. When you pray for something, you get it and then God asks you for it. When it is flourishing and it's very nice, he asks, but he's asking you for it so that he can give it back to you in multiplied and multiplied and multiplied amounts. Hallelujah. Our faith fails when we see impossible situations. Our faith fails when we look at, you know, you see statistics. This thing, the marriage is bent. It's only ashes. The home is bent. It's only ashes. The relationship is bent. It's only ashes. My Christian work is bent. It's only ashes. The master says, give them to me. It's a batter. It's an exchange. Beauty. Give me ashes. I'll give you beauty. But we, we, we hold on to our ashes. And we put them on our heads. And we wail and wail and wail and wail and wail. And we mourn and mourn and mourn and mourn. And we never give him the ashes. He can only give you the beauty if you give him the ashes. Because it's the ashes that he uses as raw material to make you beautiful. May you not waver and faint in your walk with God. The Bible says, consider him who endures such contradiction of sinners so that you may not faint. Or be wary in your walk. Hallelujah. You will come to places of ashes. You come to places that it's over. It's not working. I've done what is humanly possible. But the God who gives beauty for ashes will bring you to that place of great faith. And, and your faith will now be commended by God, not men. It's Jesus who will turn. I mean, your faith startles God. It, it, it makes him want to do something. He says, hey! I've never seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. Go, thy daughter. Swell. She got what she wanted. But on the journey to great faith, there are many stumbling blocks, embarrassment, offense, all types of distractions. But the Lord will keep us till we get to that place. I don't know what stage you are at this morning. You may be at weak faith, little faith, dead faith. But God says they are all junctions in your walk. Don't give up. You are just a toddler. As you fall, it's part of the developmental process. Walk. Stand up and start walking. And you are not alone. He says, I'll be with you. And I'll never leave you. May the Lord strengthen your heart. That which is destroyed. The Lord is wiping your tears. The Lord is healing you in many places. And the Lord is making your, wife, your life whole. Great faith. It is he who will bring you there. God bless you. Hallelujah. I want us to just pray shortly and then I can sit down. I want you to close your eyes and just say, Lord, even for now and even the future, stabilize my heart. Stabilize my heart. Let your faithfulness just calm me down so that I can attend to what I have to attend to. Greatest Thy faithfulness, O Lord, my Father, there is no shadow of turning. Oh, there's no shadow of turning. He's not white and then he's black. No. Thou changest. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, as thou 
thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Lift up your hands to his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies are here today you want to say pastor pray for me i'm not sure whether i'll go to heaven or hell when i die i want to be sure i want to make it straight with god pastor please pray for me i want to go to heaven when i die if you are here like that today i just want you to lift up your hands and i want to bear you up in prayer before the throne of grace if you are here like that you want to say pastor pray for me i want to give my life to jesus i want to be sure whether i'll go to heaven or hell when i die i want to go to heaven pastor please pray for me you are here like that today just lift up your hands and the lord will reach you wherever you are standing you've lifted up your hands Please come forward. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. Come to Jesus. Nothing makes sense in this world, but Jesus does. You want to say, Pastor, pray for me. If you've put up your hand, I want you to take another step. Just come forward to where I am. Just come forward to the front. I want to pray for you. Grace, God bless you. I see all those hands. Jesus is here. The Lord is here. Oh, the faithful one. Many will break their promises to you, but Jesus remains the same. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Jesus, I Join them that thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You are here, you are born again, all right, but you need to rededicate your life to Christ. I want you to join us in front here. You need to turn a new page, start a new chapter, get more serious and less distracted. You want to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make a recommitment to God. I want you to join us in front here just before we pray. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, yes, Jesus. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have need of Thy hand has provided. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For those of you in front here, I want you to mean this prayer with all your heart. Make it your own personal cry unto God.
Just say it after me, but make it your prayer. Lord Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you just as I am. Please forgive me for all my sins and wash me by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. And thank you for raising him up from the dead on the third day. Because he lives, I shall live also. Thank you, Jesus, that my sins have been washed away and that I'm a child of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan, I break every link with you. Christ has set me free. Christ has set me free. And I'm free indeed. Amen. Father, I pray for these that have come to you. I pray that they will never be the same again. You are the Lord, oh God, who heals us in all our broken and wounded places. Take their lives as raw materials and use it for your glory. Let your purpose be established in their lives. I pray for them that the wicked one will not snatch them away, but they will be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for renewed commitment to you this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.